and welcome to a new and improved MLS Multiplex podcast. My name is Topher Adams, and I'm the site expert at O-Towns 11, the fan-sited Orlando City website, and I will be your new host for this new MLS podcast. First and foremost, I want to thank all of you for listening to our first episode in this new project. I'm hopeful to deliver a weekly podcast touching on all the biggest stories in Major League Soccer every week. Each week, I'll also be trying to focus on each of the league's clubs, taking one specific team and doing a deeper dive with somebody who follows the team closely. No guests this week, um, but as we move on with this project, I will hope to feature different people working hard to cover these teams and provide you all with excellent content. Um, This podcast was a big part of the fan-sided MLS project for a while, and I'm glad to be able to resurrect it and bring all of you great podcast content. This week, we'll be going over the top stories from MLS this past Saturday and also previewing CONCACAF Champions League, which starts this week. Let's get into it. Welcome to Major League Soccer St. Louis. After winning in Austin in their first ever game, St. Louis City SC played its first ever game at the beautiful City Park in downtown St. Louis, Missouri. The home fans were treated to an entertaining and complete performance from the expansion side against last year's newcomer Charlotte FC. Charlotte's new striker Enzo Capetti scored the first ever competitive goal at City Park, but it was all St. Louis from then on. Charlotte defender Bill Tuiloma chipped his own keeper with a back pass header to tie the game, and DP midfielder Edvard Leuven tied the, or took, gave the lead to St. Louis with a penalty kick. Uh, St. Louis DP striker Klaus capped off the perfect opening batch when perfect opening match for St. Louis when he intercepted a back pass from Charlotte's Adelson Melanda and then chipped the keeper with a perfect finish to give St. Louis a 3-1 victory. St. Louis is now the fourth MLS expansion team to win both of its first two games, joining the Chicago Fire, the Seattle Sounders, and LAFC. Now, there's been a lot of commentary about St. Louis, especially a lot of silly goals that they've been gifted against both Austin last week and it's now Charlotte this week. But I think it's fair to say St. Louis is a very good team two weeks into the season. They play a lot of very good soccer. A lot of credit credit has to go to head coach Bradley Carnell in bringing a clear vision to this team. And I think when we look back at Major League Soccer's history, expansion teams and really all teams that have a clear tactical identity and they have a clear roster-building strategy that adheres to that tactical identity. Those are the teams that thrive. I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with St. Louis, you know, Leuven, um, Klaus, uh, Roman Berkey, Tim Parker. All these guys are playing at a really high level through two weeks, and they really fit the system that St. Louis wants to build. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they'll go on and win MLS Cup like the Chicago Fire did as an expansion team, or if they'll host a playoff game like LAFC did. But this is a very impressive build, and I think the fans in St. Louis are going to be treated to a very special project over the next few years. As for Charlotte, I think it's fair to talk about them. I know St. Louis stole the headlines, but Charlotte's now 0-2. Two losses in their first two games. Um, Definitely a lot of questions for them as they enter year two of their build. Uh, New DP striker Enzo Capetti got on the board his first MLS goal, which is a good start for them to get their new signing scoring early on. But lots of struggles. Um, St. Louis was definitely the better team in this game. The result was deserved, even if some of the goals were a bit silly. Uh, you know, Charlotte, tons of questions. Still don't know if DP winger Camille Josviak can do anything productive for them. 
Lots of questions moving forward for Charlotte. Plenty of time to figure it out. No need to hit the panic button. But that's a story that we are watching closely moving forward. The champs are back. LAFC returned to the field after last week's season opener against the Galaxy was postponed due to weather. The reigning champs faced the Portland Timbers and looked dominant once again in the early going. Italian legend Giorgio Chiellini scored LA's first goal of the season and his first goal with the club of a recycled corner kick. And club captain Carlos Vela doubled the damage when he scored a penalty drawn by young Ghanaian forward Mahala Opoku. Opoku got in on the action himself with a goal in the second half. Portland showed some fight after going down 3-0. Record signing Evander scored his first MLS goal and Christian Paredes scored off a corner to make it a one-goal game late. Unfortunately for head coach Giovanni Savarese, his team couldn't find the tying goal and LA started its title defense undefeated. I think in this game, LA reminded everybody why they were the team that won the MLS Cup Supporters Shield double last season. Even without Chicho Arango and a couple of faces from last year, this is still an immensely talented team with a clear vision under head coach Steve Terundolo. They're one of the best teams in the league, and they reminded everybody that again. Um, I think at stretches of this game, they just looked far superior to Portland, and that's without LA really playing their best game. You know, They had some sloppy possession moments, sloppy attacking moments, but they still looked leap, leaps and bounds better than Portland for, for some stretches of this game. Uh, the big question for them is the number nine position. Again, they sold Chicho Arango to Mexico uh, in January. So young Ghanaian forward Mahala Opoku, who played a big role for them last year as a key key reserve, and he's been kind of under the radar for them for a few years now. I, I know he made an impact when they made their Champions League run in 2020 as well. Um, he looked really good as sort of a false nine for them. He, he's very active. He's a hard-running hard player, uh, very technical. He's a good dribbler, uh, and he scored a goal in this game. He drew the penalty. He's a very good player. Uh, if this is their way to get him on the field, you know, he can be a lot more than depth piece. He could be a real star and maybe a, a, a multi-million dollar transfer somewhere down the line. Um, I do want to see a lot more from Dennis Buanga. He's their Gabonese DP forward. They signed it last summer. Um, you know, in preseason, he was scoring goals for fun. He was one of the best players we saw throughout preseason, but he didn't really get a lot of action in this game, didn't get in a lot of dangerous areas. Um, I still expect him to have a massive season. He could easily be an MVP caliber guy. Uh, just need to see that. Uh, quickly on Portland, their defense was really, really stretched out and gave a ton of space to LAFC. It was not not very good for them defensively, but you have to give them credit for fighting back after th going down 3-0. Um, Still a lot to work on. Uh, still need to get Evander more into the rhythm of the game. He's definitely struggling. A uh, young uh, striker, uh, Nathan Fogocha, a lot of people, uh, Matt Doyle uh, from MLSsoccer.com has especially pointed this out. A lot of people think he should get into the lineup, and I agree with them. He brings a lot of dynamism to their attacking line that they could really use, and I, I think that's an important way for them to start clicking on offense to kind of make up for some of those other shortfalls. Miami. Inter-Miami is now 2-0 and on the season. They open the win. Opened the year with a solid 2-0 win over CF Montreal, but really impressed in Week 2 with another 2-0 win, this time over the reigning Eastern Conference champions, Philadelphia Union. The Herons scored a, the Herons scored a pair of excellent long-range goals to beat Philly this week, and they've also looked like a strong team from back to front through these first two games. The club is still linked with the move for Lionel Messi, the best player in the world. MLS Commissioner Don Garber said in an article in The Athletic that signing Messi would be a terrific move for the league, and it might take a creative David Beckham-like deal 
to sign the Argentine superstar. So first, to kind of get these Messi rumors out of the way, this is always going to be a massive topic anytime Messi's in the news, anytime Messi to Miami is linked. Uh, this is such a big move that's kind of hard to think of it in anything other than the business sense because it so fundamentally shifts everything in the soccer sense. Like Messi being here, even if he's, he, he'll probably by far be the best player to ever step foot in the league, even at age 36. But like his impact to a team, it's so ludicrous to think about that it's kind of impossible to look at it in an on-field sense. Um, it's just such a massive, incalculable signing uh, that it just shifts everything from what Miami is. Like this Miami team we're seeing right now, like throw it throw it in the garbage, throw it out the window if my Messi shows up because that just changes every single thing about that team and really can throw everything, <laughs> every result, every storyline for Major League Soccer. You can really toss it off to the side if Messi shows up because that just changes every narrative and everything. But with that being said, <laughs> this current Miami team as constructed has really impressed me. I was super underwhelmed with them coming into the season, but I really underrated head coach Phil Neville and how much buy-in he can get from his guys. He has proven through his time in MLS that he gets the most out of his guys. He's not the clearest tactician. He's not this architect of soccer, but he's a guy players want to play for, and you can tell that by how hardworking they are, how tough they are, how much they fight and scrap, even if they don't always have the talent. I do think there's a lot of players to spotlight for them. Rodolfo Pizarro was a guy who's drawn a lot of criticism and a lot of ire because he didn't live up to his massive price tag when he showed up uh, in Miami's expansion year. But he's back now, and he just provides a lot of value as a dribbler, as a as a ball progressor, and as a defender. He's a really good, hardworking, skillful player. And then, of course, Drake Callender, their goalkeeper. He has been fantastic, magnificent in the back through two weeks. If he keeps playing like this, that's a massive weapon for Miami moving forward. Seattle is back. The Seattle Sounders missed the playoffs for the first time in franchise history last season, but after two games this year, it's safe to say that won't be happening again. The Sounders crushed Colorado 4-0 in Week 1 and brushed by Real Salt Lake Saturday 2-0. Jordan Morris has three goals already, and new signing Hebert has a goal in each game. You know, this Seattle team, they won CONCACAF Champions last year, League last year, and that's the biggest accomplishment of any MLS team. But then they fell off down the stretch due to injuries, due to fitness, all these issues. Seattle is healthy, they're focused, and they are dominant right now. They are probably playing the best soccer in, in MLS right now. They are just killing teams on transition the way all the best Seattle teams have always done. Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, Nicholas Ladero, Alex Roldan, Yaimar... All of these players are back to their best. They are dominating teams. And I know Colorado and RSL are likely not heavy-duty contenders in MLS this season. But at this point in the season, this point of the year, we're only two games in. It's still March. It's less about who you're playing and more just what are you controlling? How do you look regardless of the competition? And Seattle just looks so much better than basically anybody else in the league right now. They... Are, you know, I projected them to be first in the Western Conference this year. <laughs> that prediction looks good. They are clear threat for the Supporters' Shield for the first time in a while. They're clear threat for MLS Cup again. They're a threat for Open Cup. They're a threat for League's Cup. This team is a weapon. And I also want to point out Jao Paulo. He is their MVP finalist, central midfielder, designated player uh, from a few seasons ago. He got hurt in that CCL run last year. He's back. He's healthy. 
And that just opens so much up for Seattle. His ball winning, his ball progression, his passing. He's just a top, top class midfielder all the way around. And he opens up so much for Seattle when he's playing and he's in fitness. And then, of course, Bear, the new signing. I have no idea why New York City let him go for basically nothing, a nominal transfer fee and allocation money. He's a perfect fit. He just finds chances. He's a good finisher. Uh, he's, I believe he's first in the league or very close to the top of the league and expected goals already. You know, Raul Ruiz Diaz has had some injury problems already, but whether they have the Peruvian star or a bears running the show, uh, Seattle has a, a dynamite striker in the box. So much talent around him to create chances. This team is a real, real threat. And it's something we need to watch going forward. San Jose and Columbus. Both teams have new managers. Luchi Gonzalez, former FC Dallas coach, comes to San Jose. Wilfred Nancy, poached by Columbus after leading CF Montreal to second place finish in the Eastern Conference last season. Both these coaches lost in week one in disappointing fashion. San Jose blew a late lead to Atlanta United. Columbus crew were crushed 4-1 by Philly in a result that maybe the scoreline inflated a bit. But both teams are on the mend, both teams with big victories in Week 2. Lucci's Earthquakes defeated the Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1 at home, their home opener this season. Uh, and the Columbus Crew, in their home opener on Cruise Miss, defeated Wayne Rooney's DC United 2-0. Another comfortable victory, a pair of goals from their DP attacking the fielder, Lucas Zellerayon. And I think both of these teams are, are a fun story to watch, you know, with new tactical identities, new coaches. And I think they're going to play a lot of really good, attractive soccer this season, the both of them. If we focus on San Jose, their midfield and their balance and their control of the game that they've been able to exert so far is such a change of pace from the Matias Almeida chaos ball era. You know, Carlos Gruezo comes in, Jackson Ewell, Jamiro Montero, that group just is able to control games. And I think there were large portions of the game against Vancouver where they were running the show. Jackson Yule looks his best, the best he's looked in years. Um, and they're really opening things up for the other players to just get, a, get get at players. You know, Christian Espinosa has been one of the best wingers in the league since he arrived in San Jose, but it's gone under the radar. He's off to a flying start this year. I don't have his stats in front of me, but you know he's already on an MVP trajectory uh, to start the year. So San Jose looks worlds better. I I definitely expect them to compete and probably make a playoff spot. It's really, for me at this point, it's how high can they rise. And that's really going to kind of come down to their defense, which we haven't seen tested too much yet. Um, so that's something to watch. But they are a very, very impressive team um, and, and one to watch. And then for Columbus, you know, this was a team that should have made the playoffs last year. You know, if, if they could hold on to a lead in Caleb Porter's final season, uh, they would have been a top five seed in the East. So... They clearly had the talent, and I think Wilfred Nancy was the perfect guy to get to bring them to their level to maximize all the talent they have at their disposal. And his 3-4-2-1 is really getting the best out of Lucas on. He already has two goals. Um, you know, he's a super dangerous, creative player. You know, he doesn't have to worry about ball progression or any of that the way he did in the 4-2-3-1. He's really just allowed to create an attack, an attack, an attack, which is what he's best at. And him and Cucho Hernandez is such a lethal partnership, and they're already showing it this season. Uh, Alexandru Matan is no longer one of the biggest busts in MLS. He's playing really well. 
Again, like San Jose, it's going to come down to their defense, which we haven't seen tested a lot. Although against Philly, they gave up four, so I guess that's an early indication. But if they can figure out the defense, both of these teams could could be the type of teams that finished in the top five in their respective conferences this season. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Our next segment today is CONCACAF Champions League. All things CCL. The worst tournament in North America. Also the best tournament in North America, four teams from MLS this year. We'll have a Tuesday triple header of MLS action in CCL this week. Austin FC will face Haitian side Violet. The Philadelphia Union will face Alianza FC of El Salvador. And Orlando City will travel to El Volcan to face the mighty T-Grace of Mexico. The Vancouver Whitecaps will also play Honduran side Raul Espana on Wednesday. And LAFC will travel to face Costa Rican giants Ahluense on Thursday. Last season, Seattle finally broke through the CCL glass ceiling for MLS. Philadelphia and Los Angeles are both poised to make serious runs with their rosters this year. LA won't have to face a Liga MX side until the semifinals, and Philly would only have to face Atlas before the final. The draw is a lot tougher for Orlando, who faced the best team in the continent. Tigres is currently second in Liga MX and boasts one of the best rosters on the continent. If they somehow beat Tigres, they'll probably face Pachuca, who are currently fourth in Liga MX. So a much tougher, much tougher run for the Lions in Orlando. But CCL, it's the most wonderful, the most miserable, the most painful time of the year for fans of Major League Soccer. So much disappointment and so much pent-up uh, uh, release, that, 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 that joy when Seattle finally won it last year after... So much heartbreak, whether it's Toronto losing to Chivas, whether it's Montreal to Club America, RSL, LAFC. It's just these heartbreaking, back-breaking runs. And finally, all the cards broke the right way last year for Seattle. Uh, They only had to face Pumas, who were one of the weaker teams, Mexican teams in the tournament. They got to play New York in the semifinal. It was the perfect draw all the cards fell perfectly for one of MLS's best and most talented teams to finally hoist this trophy. And then they did it, and they went to the Club World Cup, and it was amazing. It was a watershed moment for the league. And now it's about doing it again. <laughs> uh, you know, as I said, Philadelphia and L.A. are definitely the two favorites uh, to win this tournament this year, at least from an MLS perspective. I, I think, obviously, Pachuca and Tigres are the clear overall tournament favorites with Philly and LA right there as well. Uh, Philly already showed that they are back. You know, they, they lost to Miami, but they beat Columbus 4-1. Kai Wagner, they kept him. Mikel Ura and Julian Carranza, the strike partnership with Daniel Gajdag as a goal scoring number 10 behind him. They kept Jose Martinez, their ball winning, gruff midfielder. Their center, they, the whole roster, top to bottom, they don't really have holes they brought in extra depth to help out for exactly tournaments like this. 
You know, you think of them trading for Damian Jones from Miami. This is basically the reason why. Not necessarily to have the Jamaican play in CCL, although, you know, maybe he does. Uh, They have a fairly easy draw, all things considered, um, against Alianza. But, uh, you know, having him allows you to play Jack Elliott and Jakob Glesnes in CCL, and then Damian Lowe can come in on the weekend for the MLS game, kind of take the load off their shoulders. Um, They're poised to make a run. You can tell that they built this team, this roster, and they, you know, being able to keep the pieces together like Kai Wagner just lets them make a real run at this. I believe they made the semifinal a few years ago. I don't remember off the top of my head when that was. Uh, They made a semifinal run um, fairly recently in their history. so they have some of the experience, you know, think of a guy like Alejandro Bedoya. Uh, he, he is the perfect guy, the perfect kind of tough leader um, that is needed for these type of tournaments. Um, so you re- they really have the pieces you need to compete. And then LAFC, obviously, they made a final in this tournament before narrowly losing out. Uh, Carlos Vela was spectacular in that tournament and even if he is older he's still the type of individual talent who can just win you knockout games you know i mentioned earlier in the show some of their some of their strengths mahala apoku and you know their back line now jesus Murillo and aaron long ryan hollingshead cheeky palacios they kept uh jose cifuentes in central midfielder miraculously don't know why <laughs> someone from the premier league or the bundesliga didn't snap up at the opportunity to buy Cifuentes, but this LA team has depth, they have talent, and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, they are the team that has the draw as well, because I think when we look at MLS and CCL, that's, it, it, it comes down to three main factors. You know, number one, you need the talent. If you don't have the top players, you don't have the real star guys to make a difference, it's not going to happen. All these teams that made runs had somebody whether it's Sebastian Javinko and Josie Altador, whether it's Joao Paulo or Jordan Morris and Nico Ladero, you know, you need a guy. You need some guys, like real stars, to make a push. I think both Philly and LA have that for sure. You need depth. You know, MLS teams, it's hard for them to have depth, and that's probably the biggest reason why, you know, only one team has won this tournament in this iteration. It's really hard to build depth in a salary cap league, and that puts a massive constraint on you. But you still need to find depth, whether it's through homegrowns, cheap signings and free agency and cheap trades. You need to have some kind of depth. I think Philly and L.A. clearly both have the depth. And then it's the draw. You need a fortunate tournament draw. And that's what we saw with Seattle last year. You know, they didn't have to play any of the League MX big boys. No Club America, no Tigres, no Cruz Azul. You know, they didn't have to face these titans of Mexican football the way all the other MLS teams that failed did. For LAFC, they don't have to play hit League MX side, you know, until the semifinal. Like, and and even then it would be Atlas, who, while a very good team, are not one of these gigantes in Mexico. It's not Tigres. You know, it's not Club America. It, it, it's, it's a winnable game for LAFC in that semifinal. And Philly, to a lesser extent, has the same thing because they would only face Atlas in that next round. And then they would face 
either a Central American team or LAFC. So one of those two teams, and especially LAFC because they don't have to face Atlas till later, has the draw to make a very deep CCL run. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if it's tampering. That's not a real accusation. That's a, that's a bit of speculative fun. Um, I don't know, know if it's luck or what that has the two best MLS candidates basically on their own side of the bracket to set up a LA Tigres, Pachuca, Philly, whatever final. You know, that's the way it's shaking out. And that's basically all you could ask for from an MLS perspective. Most of this airtime has been spent on Philadelphia and LA. And I think for good reasons, they were the two best teams in the league last year. Two of the best teams right now. Two clearest paths to the CCL final. But we have three more MLS teams in the league, including the team I cover, Orlando City. Um, I mentioned Orlando. They have to place Tigres in the round one. They're not going to win. It's very exciting as someone who's followed Orlando City for a long time to see them in CONCACAF Champions League. I think that by itself is an incredibly proud and amazing moment for the club. But this will be a short stint, barring something spectacular. So I'm not going to talk about them. Vancouver, I like the way they play soccer. I think they're one of the most fun and exciting teams in the league. But they're 0-2. They've made the playoffs once in like several years. (laughs) They're not really a contending team. They have issues with depth. They have issues in the first 11. You know, maybe they beat Real Espana from Honduras. Who knows? Uh, it's possible. You know, at this point, I think it's comfortable to say that MLS has this clear talent advantage over most, if not all, Central American teams outside of Mexico. So I think you would favor Vancouver to get through to the next round. But, you know, <laughs> I don't think we should buy much Vancouver stock as much as I love Vanny Sartini and the project they have there in British Columbia. And then the really interesting one, the one that you know, Orlando has the tough draw. Vancouver doesn't really have the team. The other one that's kind of not quite a contender, but not quite a lame duck, is Austin. Um, so Austin FC really burst on the scene last year. Big playoff run. They make the conference final in the West. Uh, I believe they finished second in, in the Western Conference in the regular season. They are interesting. They, on paper, could maybe do some damage in this tournament. And they should pretty easily get past the first round. Uh, I just hope they're able to actually play that game. I know we've had issues playing games with Haitian sides in this tournament in the past. Um, but, you know, Sebastian Driussi is the type of talent that leads teams to tournament runs. He can be Austin's Javinko. He can be Austin's Carlos Vela, who just kind of puts the team on his back and makes some magic. You know, he's not comparable to those players in terms of style, but in terms of quality and in terms of impact, he can do that for them. So really, it's going to come down to their regular other question marks. And they have big, big question marks that we're already seeing through two weeks of MLS play. And the biggest one is the center back room. Uh, Julio Cascante, who already was kind of a question mark coming into the season in terms of if he was good enough to be a real starting center back in MLS, he gets hurt right away in game one brutal for him you hate to hate to see injuries so especially so early in the year he goes down kip keller comes in has a disastrous first game against st louis uh, alex ring 
the transplanted defensive midfielder. I believe he started on the weekend against Montreal at center back. They just don't have a real right center back that they can play. And their other center back is Leo Weissenin, who's in his first year with the team. You know, it's too early to say if he's good or bad, you know, but he's such a fresh face that he's a complete question mark. So their center back partnership and their whole defense as a whole is such a, so up in the air, so up for question that that, you know, you can't really pick them to make a run in this tournament because you really have to be settled. You have to have your ducks in a row to make a real CCL adventure. And Austin just is not that in the back. And then they have other issues as well. Their other DP, Emiliano Rigoni, he keeps getting into good goal-scoring areas, but he's not converting chances. You know, when I watch MLS with my brother and Austin comes up, it feels like every time we see the Austin highlights or we watch the ML or Austin game, <laughs> Rigoni's in a great place to whip in a dangerous ball or get on the end of a, a, a cross, but he's not converting the chances. Uh, and then Yassi Zarda is their big off-season signing. I love Yassi. He's one of my favorite types of strikers. He seems like a great person. His connection with the rest of their lineup is not working so far. Matt Doyle, the armchair analyst, great. You know, read his column about why he's Yassi's not working um, for Austin. And that just kind of confounds the the problems. You have problems in the back, you know, center back, health issues, defensive issues. And now your offense isn't quite as cohesive or as effective as it was last year. And Austin is just a big old question mark. But they have the talent and they don't have nearly as brutal a draw as Orlando City does. So they're, they're a mystery box team when it comes to this tournament. And, and the last note I want to get at before we get out of here with CCL is the difficulty of balancing CCL with MLS play. And we're already seeing that. Uh, Orlando City against Cincinnati on the weekend rotated half their lineup. You know, a lot of key players weren't starting. They started a rookie super draft pick at center back uh, to kind of keep their guys fresh for for the weekend or for this week's game. Sorry, excuse me, against Tigres. So, you know, we're already seeing teams push to the limit in terms of depth and rotation. So that's the storyline to watch with these teams. I think every team, except maybe Vancouver in this tournament, could be a contender for like a top three seed in their respective conferences. But if CCL gets in the way and they're unable to stack early points, you know, that could really hold them back in terms of seeding, especially when guys like Seattle are already out of the gates, high flying, crushing everybody. They don't have to worry about CCL this year. So I think when we're looking from the MLS side, you know, we're going to see, we might see Philly kind of around 6th, 8th, maybe. That's something that could really happen. I know they have the depth, but every single year teams that make CCL runs struggle early in the season with this depth and the rotation and trying to balance the two competitions. And that's really a storyline we need to watch over the next two months, early season, you know, I know with the expanded playoff, you don't really have to worry about these teams missing the postseason, but seeding still matters um, where teams end up playing, home field for the knockout rounds after the first round. Um, All that stuff still matters, and I think, especially for a team like Philadelphia and LAFC, that's something to really watch um, moving forward with this tournament. I want to thank you all again for listening to the new MLS Multiplex podcast. I am your host, Topher Adams. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to some MLS. We'll be back next week and for the coming weeks, hopefully with some guests to talk about your favorite MLS clubs and all the biggest stories around the league. Thank you again for listening to MLS Multiplex. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.